Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, Christmas is coming up on Friday. You ready? Ooh, Jason, you are so mean. (laughs) Oh, well, uh, I can't say that I am ready, but I'm a little better prepared than I am for some years. (laughs) <laughs> I've at least made the list, Bill. I've got I've got the list down. Uh, well, I mean, bottom line is for all all of those fellows out there who uh, have not uh, gotten uh, their gifts uh, in order, uh, you, you better get yeah. shaking on that. And, get on uh, that. You have, today, tomorrow might be a good time to get out and uh, get those gifts because you still have to get them wrapped. You have to get them under the tree. You know, there's still a whole lot to do. Uh, even if you've acquired what you need. But um, it is a fun time of year, and I know uh, people are, are uh, I mean, it would be nice if we knew we could get out and celebrate in a way that that Christmas deserves. Uh, and unfortunately, this is not going to be one of those years. Uh, you know, there's, there's not going to be the church choirs and uh, the music that we uh, love. Well, there, there may be, but it's going to be on the radio or it's not, <laughs> it's not going to be live uh, presentations like uh, we, we enjoy in past years. And I suspect our, our family gatherings are going to be muted this year, but we, we still have so much to be thankful for. It's really not from my own perspective, we, we need an attitude adjustment. It's, it's not about what we've had to endure this past year. It's really giving thanks for what we have, you know, and the truth is, is that we have so much and, and we have each other, you know, that's um, uh, su- such a big deal. And, and quite frankly, right now, I think uh, we need to be giving thanks uh, uh, to Pfizer and Moderna uh, and the other companies uh, who have developed a vaccine that that gives us a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, it's uh, and I, I do uh, hope that um, that that everyone will uh, seek out and get a vaccine just as quickly as it's available, and they're in line for it. And of course, we have to be patient. Because it will probably be sometime this spring before many of us will be able to get the vaccine. But you know, the the, the fact is that um, these vaccines are a true miracle of science, and uh, we just need to be thankful for the fact that that while we've lost so many souls uh, this past year, and it's been a real tragedy, that. We don't have to repeat it, you know. If we if we get out and get vaccinated, uh, then by by this time next year, we will in fact be celebrating with large gatherings and and uh, enjoying the Christmas uh, time of year uh, as it is meant to be enjoyed. Um, and actually, there's there there is another scientific uh, breakthrough. Um, that uh, folks need to be excited about and and thankful for. And if you haven't heard this word before, um, it's it's one that should be remembered. And and, uh, can you guess what it might be, Jason? 
Ah, you got me. You threw me for a loop, Bill. I don't know yet. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to science, there's so much going on. But the one uh, thing that is is being developed successfully right now is uh, through a process called CRISPR. Have you heard of that? I have not heard of That's CRISPR. That's a word to remember, CRISPR. Uh, and, and what it what it has to do with scares some people. It's called gene editing. Uh, but the fact is, is that scientists are making swift progress successfully, and it's exciting in terms of of, of what's being done. Um, and and of course, there's always naysayers out there. But um, for instance, this week I was learning about uh, a recent case of gene editing where a young lady with three children uh, who suffers uh, debilitating pain or had been from sickle cell disease. Well, she went through this gene editing process, and a year later, she's doing great. She doesn't have pain. She doesn't, she doesn't have to worry about emergency trips to the hospital. She can actually take care of her children uh, and uh, enjoy life in a way that she hasn't been able to do that. That's something to, to celebrate and something to be really thankful for. But, but it's not just about sickle cell. It's about lots of diseases where this new scientific breakthrough uh, may, um, I, I'm not going to say cure, uh, but uh, solve issues with diseases like ALS or Alzheimer's or um, uh, uh, Parkinson's. Uh, there are many, many, many uh Diseases out there that, that that progress has been so slow on, and this new therapy is something that may very well bring about significant changes to people as this therapy is is used on different um, uh, situations. Um, and at least so far, it's been a really successful and very exciting. So. Uh, I think that's something over the next 10 years that we're going to see significant developments. And to the degree that we've seen science uh, develop sort of like uh, technology where, you know, it, it totally changes over a six-month period. And that's so frustrating to the, those of older folks like me uh, that can't keep up. <laughs> You know, I have to, you know, like most of us, we have to talk to our, uh, our children if they're young enough or our grandchildren uh, otherwise to, in order to keep up with technology, you know. So um, it's just part of, part of it. So anyway, uh, I, I want folks to uh, think about this and, and look at it and, and recognize that it's something that's going to come on strong, I think, in the next uh, few years. Now. Uh, and what I, what I need to talk about uh, is gifting. This is a time of year for gifting. But uh, I, I say this with uh, a warning, if you will, particularly to many seniors. They're, they're so – I mean, we want to see the joy in our children's eyes at Christmas time, and our grandchildren particularly – 
now that's something I don't have at this point, a grandchild, but you know, at some point I'm looking forward to that, I hope. Uh, but the, the point is, is that uh, for many of us, it's hard to not do for our children. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, tr- the first thing I would say is what I tell a lot of caregivers uh, in dealing with uh, their loved ones who are sick is the, the first rule is take care of yourself. <laughs> it's it's put as much priority and emphasis on your own needs as the needs of your loved one because if you fail to do that you'll fail your loved one you have to take care of yourself and if you do that gives you the ability to do a better job and for a longer period of time in terms of taking care of your loved one. Well, the same thing is true with gifting. There are so many of us who are willing to give our children or grandchildren the shirt off our back, and then then we're nude. We're sitting there in the cold. <laughs> and so the, the, that, that is something that should be avoided. I mean, uh, there's, there's a two-edged sword here. Yes, we want our children to thrive. We want our grandchildren to thrive. Um, but at the same time, and I think this is even more important, we don't want to be so generous as to become a burden on our children when our needs become significant. And as we age, oftentimes there's a, a high percentage of us who will need help. And unfortunately, that help can be very, very expensive. And so um, here are some thoughts as it relates to gifting. And and I know, uh, Jason, you just have to cut me off uh, as it relates to so many of this. But uh, I have, uh, in the last uh, week or so, I've had a client that when I looked into how they had done things, everything was done wrong, at least from my own perspective. Okay, now – done with good intentions, good with what folks really wanted. And in other words, and and typically our children, they want it all now, right? And so it's the kind of thing where uh, so oftentimes, you know, if a child knows that your intention is to give them part of the farm or to give them the farm, it's like, well, why don't you just go ahead and give it to us? That way you don't have to worry about us receiving it when you die. <laughs> Well, the truth is that can be the worst thing you can possibly do. You have to be very careful about how gifts are structured, particularly major gifts. Now, am I talking about your normal Christmas gifts? Uh, No, I'm not talking about that. I hope you enjoy giving those normal, you know, whether it's a $50 sweater or if it's, you know, your normal gifts range from anywhere from $10 to $100, fine, enjoy that. But when it comes to major gifting, you have to be careful. And the fact is, is just going to an attorney to have uh, some advice or to help you uh, do the gift does not necessarily help you. It depends on what you ask the attorney to do. And oftentimes, uh, depending on the experience of the attorney, it's like uh, if you go to an attorney and say, hey, I want to gift the farm to my, my children, they'll, they'll do a deed for you, and, and a gift deed. 
but is that wise? Most of the time, it's not. And so that's the, that's what I want to talk about is the fact that there are some dangers. There's quicksand that seniors can fall into if they don't get good advice going in. So I, I know that we need to take a short break, uh, but I want to tell you about this so you'll Try not, you know, if we can learn by the mistakes of others, <laughs> that's the best way to learn. So <laughs> when we come back, I want to talk about that. Excellent. And it's so important to have that professional expertise and guidance. Get a hold of Bill if you have a question pertaining to gifting or anything surrounding elder law. Go to WGALaw.com. There you can find information about Bill. You can find a way to contact him in his office and you can also register for his seminars coming up in january we'll talk more about those later as well stick around you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander and we'll be right back Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for January seminars. Bill does two free seminars every month. These are uh, jam-packed with information that you really just can't find anywhere else. One dealing with uh, long-term care assistance, VA benefits, Medicaid, uh, assistance as well and then the other seminar deals with asset protection planning and trust planning it's all information that uh, we talk about on this show often and we would love to see you at the webinar just go to wgalaw.com and click on the seminars button to register for free jason kong here with bill alexander and bill we're having a discussion on gifting and you were uh, telling a story, uh, well, sort of getting into a story last break about someone who made all the wrong choices, and you know you want to make sure that people don't make those same mistakes. Well, the, and in fact, what, the, what I'm going to share has to do with multi generational mistakes. In other words, three generations. All right. So, first of all, family came in. Mom uh, was in the hospital. And a family was worried about the fact that she might not be able to come home. And I think she was feeling her mortality, okay? So her life expectancy may not be that long, maybe a few years, uh, maybe longer. We don't, we don't know. I mean, that's, that's not in our hands. Uh, but uh, they were concerned about the financial ramifications. And, and they, when they first came in, they said, well, Mom inherited a farm. So she's owned this farm, and last summer— she deeded the farm, and her intention was always, and had a wonderful marriage, been married for over 40 years, had two boys, uh, both live in the area, and she wanted to make sure that her farm that she got from her parents went to her children. And uh, and th this was not where they lived. This was an additional piece of property. She and her husband had a nice home. Uh, but she wanted the farm to make to go to her children. The very common kind of desire, if you will, it's and it's not a matter of getting the farm to the children. It's how you skin the cat because how you skin the cat makes all the difference in the world. So then, all right. So then I learned that she had already deeded the farm. She split it up, had one track to go to one child. 
And actually what she did was she deeded it to herself, and she was the sole owner, uh, deeded it to herself and one son for one track with rights of survivorship. Now, of course, her intention was, hey, I'm going to die first. I'm old. They're young. Okay. And so each son got a track that was with rights of survivorship with mom. In other words, dad was not part of of this uh, transaction. And so then, and when they first came in and said, yeah, mom inherited this from her mom, and he, here's where she got it, okay? And in other words, they gave me a deed. So in essence, she had not inherited the farm. She had actually been gifted the farm by her mom, okay? Now, what, why does that make a difference? Well, she, she received this farm 30 years ago, okay? Now, because it was gifted to her, she did not receive any basis, what's called an income tax basis step up in the property. So mom's basis actually was her mother's tax basis because when you gift property outright, which is what happened in this case, she was received it by gift before mom died, and it, and it was an outright gift. Here it is, daughter. We love you. We want you to have the farm. Here it is. Okay. Now, that's bad news for her because the bottom line is that her basis in the property belonged to what did her parents uh, spend to acquire the farm? Well, back 70 years ago, they didn't spend very much. So their basis was close to zero, you know, or just a few thousand dollars. Well, because it was gifted to mom 30 years ago, that was what mom's basis was. So what mom just do? She gifted the property, half of the property, to her each child. So guess what? The child's basis going forward would be grandmama's basis or virtually nothing. Now, these properties were not home places, so you didn't get what's called the 121 exemption. You would, ha If you ever sold the property, you would have to pay capital gains tax. So mom's gift of half the property was a bad transaction because it, if the child who, you know, let's say mom died, that whenever the child sold the farm, if it was sold during their lifetime, would only get a half basis step up. And the step up is based on mom owned half until she died. And so half a step up, in other words, no step up on half the property. So what that means is capital gains tax. And, ca you know, capital gains tax is expensive. And that's what's so bad is the fact that people make gift transactions not understanding the fact that they are at that time likely giving their children taxes that are unnecessary. You know, the whole point of asset protection is don't pay tax that you don't need to pay, right? So the fact is when you make these gift transactions without understanding the tax implications, you're generally going to make a bad mistake. And that's what that so in essence grandmama made a bad mistake. In other words, if the daughter had inherited it, she would have had a stepped up in in basis. Now, it's that one is cured by mom if mom let it be inherited by her children. And there are different ways 
you can do a gift deed with with tax ramifications that are in your favor, but mama didn't do that. And that's why I'm saying just going to any attorney, if you don't have tax advice with a major gift, you're making a mistake. Now, a, an attorney who understands taxes can help you. A CPA or an accountant can help you with understanding that. But whenever you are contemplating a major gift, it is important that you understand the tax implications of that gift. Now, there are other issues that can go along with it, too, because I guarantee you mom didn't think about filing a gift tax return. Well, I guarantee you half of the farm is worth more than $15,000. Well, the bottom line is you have the ability to make a $15,000 gift to anybody you want to without filing a gift tax return. But when you go over 15000 the IRS raises its hand and say, hey, hey, I, I need to be paid over here. Now, <laughs> now, you also have a lifetime gift tax exemption, which a lot of po- folks don't know about. And that's, right now, it's $11.58 million. So none of us, as long as we file the gift tax return, have to worry about paying gift tax. But the return is still necessary. So talk to your accountant about it. But like I said, there are other ways to skin that cat where there's no uh, bad tax implications with it. Now, uh, uh, another issue is, uh, what do you, I mean, in this case, mom needs, uh, she may need Medicaid. Now, as I've said many times, middle-class families with help uh, from an elder law attorney can typically get Medicaid very quickly and preserve their uh, assets, their resources, their homes, their farms, uh, and and the like. Um, And so when you have a loved one, it's important to get good advice from an elder law attorney as quickly as possible. But the bottom line is, these gift deeds to the children, we have to undo them. Why? Because they create a sanction or penalty if mom applies for Medicaid. So if mom doesn't go home and she has to stay in the nursing home, guess what? We have to get her on Medicaid quickly. Well, these deeds damage that. So in essence, we have to undo those transactions so that mom can get on Medicaid quickly as opposed to having to serve a penalty uh, for having gifted property to her children. Now, there is one person in the world you can make gifts to without creating a penalty, and that is your spouse. But other than your spouse and what DSS is going to look for to try to penalize you is gifts to your children and grandchildren. That's the that's what they're looking for in order to penalize you because they do not want you to have the ability to give your property away uh, in order to try to uh, be eligible for Medicaid in the future. That's why there's a five-year look back, and that's what they're looking for, gifts to your children and grandchildren. So all of those, um, the, the, the whole point is, It's a matter of what you're gifting. And if you're gifting highly appreciated property, such as your home or a farm, or it might be stock that you bought 30 or 40 years ago, always ask before you decide on how you want to make the gift. Always ask, 
what are the tax implications, not just for me, but does it harm my children? I've had lots of families over the years transfer their house like idiots to their children um, because they're thinking, well, we want to protect the house and we, uh, we, we want to be able to get on Medicaid. Well, first of all, that's an unnecessary transaction to get on Medicaid, and you can protect your house without giving it to your children. So why in the heck would you do that? But the, the problem is this. you know, They gift their house to their children. Now, if they sold their house, mom and dad, Guess what? They don't have to pay income tax because they have that 121 exemption we were talking about, and that's a half million dollar exemption for a married couple, 250,000 for a single person. And so they've gifted it. Now, you know, one died and the other needs care, and they don't have enough money. So guess what? They say, okay, kids, now it's time to sell the house to make money so you can pay for our needs. Well, guess what? Now, because we made that gift to the kids, the kids don't get the 121 exemption. They have to pay income tax, capital gains, on the sale of the house. So it may be that the kids end up with $30,000, dollars $50,000 less to take care of mom or dad. Uh, because they've had to pay income tax that mom and dad would not have paid had they not made the gift. So again, just another example of you know where people are making gifts willy nilly. Now they're they're doing what they think is right. They're they're doing what uh, they want to see that sparkle in the child's eye or the grandchild. You, you know, it's it makes their heart feel wonderful. But, you know, if they understood the tax implication of what they were doing, they would actually find a different way to skin that cat. Give the same gift without those tax implications that way. So that's really what I'm talking about as it relates uh, to those things. So anyway, be careful when you make a major gift. Be careful and make sure, as Bill said, you're asking the right questions because that can uh, save you a lot of grief. And if you're in a situation like this where you're thinking of making a major gift and you want to make sure that it's thought out properly, get a hold of Bill. Schedule an appointment to speak with him or a, a, a elder law professional. Go to WGALaw.com. There you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for Bill seminars. The next set of seminars is coming up on January 13th, and these are coming up in the form of webinars. You can do them digitally from the comfort of your own home. All you need is an internet connection and an email address, and you're good to go. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button to register for Bill's seminar dealing with long-term care assistance, Medicaid assistance planning. As Bill explained earlier, this is often available to middle-class families, and it can be available pretty quickly. Find information there in that seminar and also learn more about asset protection planning and trust planning in Bill's other seminar, free to register online at WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be back after this. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Hope you're doing well and uh, getting 
as much as you can out of the holiday season as Christmas is approaching. And Bill, we're having a, a conversation about gifting, not giving, you know, presents for Christmas. Well, hopefully not uh, large gifts like this for Christmas as you have worn, but I know you have a, a, a final thought here when it comes to gifting. Well, no question. I mean, a lot of folks this time of year, This, I mean, anybody who's worked on a church budget knows that, that, that churches and other charities receive the majority of their money in which month, do you think, Jason? I'm going to say December. Right now. <laughs> okay, exactly. Because there are an awful lot of folks that write their checks in December. And, and of course, there are many, many churches and, and many charities that are now struggling. And they're struggling for two reasons. One reason is because of the pandemic. You know, uh, most of us haven't actually been to church, not to the sanctuary to worship um, since, you know, March. You know, uh, you know, they've been online services and things like that. But the fact is, is that when you don't go, sometimes you think you don't necessarily think about those uh, ties and offerings that you would normally make. But the same thing is true for many, many other charities and nonprofits out there. And and, and uh, the pandemic is a big reason, and many of them are struggling because they haven't not just the charitable donations, but the ones who actually make money for their charitable cause. Those are struggling, too. And and the other reason, other than the pandemic, is the new tax code really puts the burden on the charities because most people do not itemize their taxes anymore. You know, this year there will be a standard deduction for a married couple of $27,000. And so to itemize, you have to have itemized deductions that exceed $27,000 for a married couple uh, before before it makes even sense to itemize. So the point is that, um, that for most people, their normal charitable gifts are no longer deductible. You know, uh, the, being able to deduct your charitable gifts has always eased the pain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of how much you give. Now, this year, there's a little bit of an exception. In other words, there's uh, the CARES Act gave us a $300 above-the-line uh, deduction for charitable gifts this year. But it's 300 bucks. I mean, that's not much. And so what I'm getting at is if you normally give five, six, ten thousand dollars $10,000, you are still probably going to take standard deduction, and so you're not going to get anything off of your taxes because of gen your generosity. And, and, of course, that affects significantly how much people can give to, to their church and to charities. And so as a result, guess what? They're struggling. But for those who make a significant gift, one way to do it is to make a gift of highly appreciated property. Because if it's a big gift, let's say it's a $50,000 gift, guess what? You're going to take that charitable deduction and you're going to itemize. So that, that makes sense. And if it's a highly appreciated gift, you're not paying the capital gains tax on that gift, and you should be able, in most cases, to deduct the fair market value of that appreciated asset. So that's a win-win, not to have to pay the capital gains tax, and you get a charitable deduction for it. So that makes sense. There are also several types of trusts that can be used, a charitable lead trust, a charitable annuity trust, which is very uh, – a charitable remainder trust. 
Uh, those are where you make a gift, you get a tax deduction if you itemize. You know, there you go again. Uh, so it has to be a major gift that would give you the ability to itemize. Um, there's also something like a, a charitable life estate where, for instance, you transfer your house uh, at your death to a particular charity. Uh, that gives you a, a charitable deduction if you itemize. Uh, uh, but you get to stay and live in your house. You you retain that life estate uh, for your lifetime, and then at your death, it it goes to your favorite charity. So there are a lot of different ways to do charitable gifting. And one of the ways that I have mentioned in the past has to be for those who have retirement accounts and have minimum required distributions. You can make a gift directly from your retirement account to your church or charity uh, and not have to pay any income tax on that the amount that goes to charity. Uh, now, what's confusing to some folks who've done this is they will get a 1099, uh, but it's coded so that it's not the, the 1099 is coded as non-taxable to you. It's just showing that you've made the distribution, but this has to be directly from your IRA custodian to make that work. And, of course, under the CARES Act, uh, the new law is that uh, you have to be 70. The year you turn 72 is the year you're of your first minimum required distribution. The old law was 70 and a half, but the new law is age 72. Um, so uh, making uh, distributions, if you're, over, if you're 72 or over, ma- making charitable gifts from your retirement account is a very, very wise thing to do. Now, you are limited to $100,000, but that doesn't affect most of us. So anyway, just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> Always good to be transparent. Make sure to you, we know what we're dealing with in that regard. Uh, Bill, uh, you, we had a wonderful discussion on gifting. And uh, before the program, you told me that you wanted to revisit something because you had a correction that you needed to make. That's true. Uh, you know, one of the things I said, and this has to do with retirement accounts. And basically, I've been encouraging people to take their distribution this year, even though it is not required. And what I got wrong was that I said, if you don't take it this year, you have to take a double distribution next year. And, and in fact, that was not correct. What is correct is that if you don't take it this year, your distribution next year will be much larger than it would be otherwise. But it's not, it's not the same thing as a double distribution. But that's really not the point that I'm trying to make. The point that I'm trying to make is that so many advisors will tell you to only take your minimum required distribution. And uh, and and let it sit in there and grow. Well, sitting in there and growing is a good thing. However, what the point that's being missed is this: that so many people, particularly married couples, after they retire, are in a very very low tax bracket. So the real key for people is to withdraw retirement funds, not necessarily based on minimum required distributions. Yes, you have to take those, 
But the key is to, to look at your tax return to determine how much room you might have to take additional retirement accounts and pay the tax as it comes out. My rule of thumb is if you can take out retirement distributions at 12% income tax or less, you should, okay? You should take more, not necessarily every penny, but you have to understand that everybody gets this year a $27,000 standard deduction. So if your income is relatively low after that, you have up to $20,000 of taxable income. It's actually just below that, but I round up a little bit, um, at the 10% tax rate. And then the next 60000 for a married couple, all the way up to $80,000, is at a 12% tax rate. Well, guess what? If you can take out, I mean, that gives you a heck of a lot of room to take out. Now, if you pay the tax and you don't need it, I'm not saying spend it. You know, you might need it for the future. You can convert it to a Roth IRA after you've paid the tax. And guess what? Then it can continue to accumulate income tax-free, and then you can take it out income tax-free. So the point is, take advantage of the low tax rates. If you can take your IRA out at 10 or 12%, that's a no-brainer. So that's the focus I want people to take. And you need your income tax return to sort of figure out how much room you have to uh, take more of your retirement account. You don't need it, convert it to Roth. That's a great way to do it, and, and your financial advisor cannot complain about you doing that. It's all about taking it out at the lowest tax rate possible. And let's, wait, let's say that you're trying to keep it for your kids. Well, guess what? Their tax rate is highly likely to be more than 12%. It's probably at 22 or 24%. And they only have 10 years to take out uh, what they inherit from you in your IRA. So guess what? Your ability to take out more while you're alive and while you're married. Don't forget that while you're married, you have double the exemptions and double the tax bracket. And it gets cut in half when your spouse dies. So, and that's another thing that folks miss. So, think about those things. How can you maximize your tax rate? Take advantage of being married, <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, utilize uh, the tax code in your favor rather than your disfavor. If there's one thing we can all agree on, it's paying as little amount of tax as we have to. So that's some great advice from Bill. Don't forget, you can always go to WGALaw.com if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill or to register for Bill's seminars coming up on Wednesday, January 13th. We do this the second Wednesday of every month. WGALaw.com is the place to go to to find more information and just click on that seminars button. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, next on the docket, we're talking annuities. Well, you know, to me, annuities, uh, some people like them, some people love them, some people hate them. 
But the the fact is, annuities uh, tip two things. Number one, they're very complex, and number two, they are oversold. Now, there's a place for annuities. There 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 are some good ones out there. There's some that are not so good, but but they're different. I mean, you have a variable annuity, and unlike some other annuities, variable annuities have market risk. Uh, and so they can be appropriate for young people. They typically are not appropriate for seniors, even though I've seen a lot of clients that have variable annuities as seniors. There's fixed annuities. Now, that gives you a fixed interest rate. They're typically not that great. Uh, and then the best annuities, that, particularly for seniors, if you buy one, is probably what's called a fixed indexed annuities. Those do have guarantees in terms of not losing value, giving you lock-in points, and also um, allowing you some upside with the market when the market goes up. So uh, little to no downside and better upside than what most people have. The problem, however, is they're oversold, and they um, uh, because there are a lot of financial advisors that make a lot of money selling annuities. So they love to sell them, but they're not necessarily in your best interest because they are complex. And the one thing that you need to understand about an annuity is that you're giving up control of that money that's going into the annuity because the annuity company wants to invest it and then pay it back to you in dribbles rather than to give you access to all of it at one time. Well, that's a real disadvantage. So the key with any kind of annuity is you got to have some things in place first. Now, if you want an income stream that's guaranteed for a period of time, annuity may be your friend. But it's not your friend if you don't have a big savings bucket, an emergency bucket to go through. And Think of it this way. Let's say you have a long-term care crisis and your need, financial needs are seventy-five dollars to $150,000 a year. Well, you know, that takes a whole lot. And annuities give you an income stream particularly, but they don't give you access to, say, seven dollars or $8,000 a month when you need it. And if all of your money is tied up in an annuity, and you need $7,000 a month, even if it's for a six-month period, and you can't get to your money, you're screwed. So you have to be really careful with annuities, not let folks oversell them to you. You really should have a big savings bucket, and you should have an investment bucket that you can go to next prior to your annuity. And then if you have plenty of resources and, and you want to use an annuity to create an income stream for you, then by all means, it can be your friend. But be very, very careful um, in terms of looking at these very complex contracts. Yeah, keeping in mind the ramifications of a long-term care crisis is important, and Bill spends a lot of time talking about that in his seminars. They're free to register for. You can register for the webinar coming up on January 13th. Go online to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button. It's free to register, and you'll learn plenty of information when it comes to long-term care assistance, Medicaid assistance, VA benefits, as well as information in his other seminar about asset protection and trust planning. Go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. It's free to register. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be back after this. 
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. You can also call the office at 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. We're out of time for today. We hope you enjoy your Christmas and we'll be back with you next weekend. Be sure to join us right here at the same place. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. We will see you next week.